Hey, Exercise Confidence listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. In this episode, you will get to hear from Alyssa Andereg. She is quite a dynamic young woman. She is the current Miss World America. She has a thriving career in the communications field, and she has done so many years of work on behalf of and with the Alzheimer's organization. Alyssa talks about how it was not always easy for her to have confidence, but once she found a passion, it was almost like it flipped a switch inside of her. Alyssa also shares some of the struggles that she's had with anxiety and how she has found ways to look at what we would call failures in life as pivots instead, taking that shift as a positive and how you can use it to feel your confidence. So without further ado, let's hear the episode today that we have on exercise confidence. Today, I am here with the one, the only, Miss Alyssa Anderig. Alyssa, thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much. I love the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, my friends, once you get through listening to this episode, you're going to be like, yes, she is one of a kind. Alyssa is super one of a kind, so I'm really glad we get to have her on today. Oh, I'm so excited. All right. Now, Alyssa, my favorite question to ask all the interviewees, please tell me about yourself in 20 seconds and go. Okay, well, hi everyone. My name is Alyssa Andrig. I'm the current Miss World America 2020. And one of my biggest passions in life is Alzheimer's disease and Alzheimer's awareness. My grandma had Alzheimer's and seeing the effect that that had on my family made me really passionate about getting involved with the cause. But aside from that, I just wanted to share to everyone the importance of finding your passion and using your own passion to make a difference in the world. Beautiful. Yes. Alyssa is, that's probably a great like one word to describe you as passionate because you are and it extends into like everything you do. So aside from your work and the passion that you have with um, the Alzheimer's organization and spreading awareness, which we will touch on in a bit. Sure. When do you think you found one of your first passions in life? Oh my goodness, that's a tough question. I think one of my first passions was singing. I loved to sing. I actually learned how to read by following along with the lyrics sheet to the Barney songs in the car with my mom whenever we were driving. I love that. Yes, I would be singing like, I love you, you love me. And I would be reading it along on those little lyric sheets that used to come with the cassette tapes way back when since we're you know, a little bit older than the current generation. I know. Sorry, kids. Cassettes. Back when we had cassette tapes, I would listen to it, and that's how I learned how to read. And my mom noticed that from a very young age. So for Christmas, I always was receiving, you know, karaoke machines and karaoke CDs, and I would be singing around the house. So when I was about five years old, I think it was, my mom took me to see a local production of the musical Annie. I told her that I wanted to be on stage just like those little girls in Annie. She put me in singing lessons and the rest was pretty much history. I started singing on stage and doing musical theater. I sang in my pageants. Um, I sing in the shower and pretty much always singing. So I think that was my first big passion in my love that's awesome and I like how you tied it into like oh when I was a kid like that's how I learned to read was seeing these little lyrics because I loved singing so much and I wanted to be able to learn it so passion for singing 
Do you think having somebody that was so supportive of that passion of yours at such a young age helped you to cultivate confidence in the beginning of your life? Absolutely. My parents are the most supportive people in the entire world. They are my rocks. They are 100% the reason why I am here today, standing today with the accomplishments that I've had. Most parents, I think, well, I wouldn't say most, but there are probably quite a few who, if a little five-year-old girl said, I want to be on stage, they say, oh, that's cute, honey, that's cute. And my mom took it one step further. She found a private vocal lesson for me to participate in. I had a vocal coach, and she took me, and the first day that she took me, I was so shy that all I wanted to do was play with my vocal teacher's dogs. I didn't want to sing, (laughs) and my vocal teacher said, she said, Leisha, it's my mom's name, she said, Leisha, are you sure she wants to do this, and it's not you know, just you being a stage mom. Mom said, no, Alyssa asked to do this. So when I got back in the car, I think this was the first time I remember her being actually really upset with me. She said, Alyssa, you said you wanted to do this. Why did you want to sing for Miss Lisa? And I kind of realized, I said, okay, okay, I'm going to try again, try again. So little five-year-old Alyssa comes in the next week and she sings for the vocal teacher. And the vocal teacher said, wow, Alyssa, you're really good, and you really enjoy this. And I said, yeah, I think I do. I really like this. And hearing this person that I didn't know yet say, wow, you're really good at something, and wow, you really have a future doing this. It wasn't just my parents anymore. It was somebody else. But that somebody else was facilitated by my mom. So back to your question, absolutely. I mean, my parents have... 1,000 and a billion percent gotten me to where I am today, starting out at a young age. Having supportive parents, I can attest to, uh, you know, my parents, and they've been so, (laughs) just like like yours, man, Leisha and Jim are top notch, but having supportive parents, I have found in some of the interviews I've done is super vital, but I've also interviewed people that maybe have had um, absentee parents or parents that maybe they came from a single parent household, so they weren't able to have that natural Um, 24-7 support, so to say. If somebody doesn't have supportive parents, would you recommend maybe reaching out to somebody that inspires somebody or trying to find maybe mentorship? Yes. Having a mentor is key. Even if you do have supportive parents, finding somebody that you can turn to for support, for advice. Perhaps that's a teacher. Perhaps that's a school counselor. Perhaps that's someone who has a career that you want to pursue. People really do want to help other people. And that's something that I really enjoy. I was actually just interviewing a student who was applying to my alma mater, which is Duke University, and I'm one of the alumni interviewers. And I always tell these students, reach out to me, ask me questions. I'm here for you. Whether you get in, whether you don't, whether you do get in, you decide not to go. I want to be a mentor to you and help you. I wish that when I was younger, I realized that how many adults and how many older people do want to help those younger people, but that you just have to reach out to them. I love that you're advocating for reaching out because especially in today's day and age where social media is at our fingertips, I feel now more than ever, it is more accessible to reach out to those people that maybe you admire or they have a connection to something that you also want to achieve in life that maybe they have. 
So taking that note of mentorship, aside from your parents, because we do know that they've influenced you so much, who has been your most influential mentor to you in your journey? That's hard because I think that growing up, I had different mentors in different stages of my life. The easy one that first comes to mind is Maria Schreiber. She was such an influential part of my Alzheimer's advocacy. When I was 12, 13 years old, I was part of her HBO documentary called The Alzheimer's Project. This really catapulted my advocacy. From there, she let me write an essay for her book called The Shriver Report and let me write about my experiences with Alzheimer's. She let me speak on stage in front of thousands of people in her women's conference that she had back when she was First Lady of California. So it wasn't even so much of me reaching out to her, but it was about her taking me under her wing. And because she did that, now I want to do that for other people. She gave me that voice that I didn't really know that I had. Because on that first interview for the Alzheimer's Project, for that HBO documentary, they asked me some questions. And I had never really talked and never really spoken, excuse me, about being a a granddaughter of someone with Alzheimer's and I instantly broke down crying Aww. you can see in the video if you watch back in the documentary I'm wearing a hot pink polo shirt and my face is the same exact color as my polo shirt <laughs> because I was crying so much but she gave me that voice um, that I didn't really know I had and really helped me be able to articulate why Alzheimer's advocacy is so important for the younger generation I just love how beautiful it is to see the way that mentorship and having those who turn around to help really transcends into something bigger than yourself. And so with that, I know that you have done so much work in advocating and sharing awareness when it comes to Alzheimer's. And I just think it is so amazing and so beautiful. And I want to know if in your experience, has the work that you've done with service especially in relation to alzheimer's has it helped cultivate you to become a more um, confident person in any way has it helped spur your own self-confidence in this journey of sharing these important stories that you're so passionate about it has helped with my confidence especially when i was younger being able to have the confidence to tell my story was the first step and then it was twofold because I realized the difference that my story was making in other people's confidence as well. Because when I was sharing, I was empowering them to share their story and it became a rippling effect. So when it came back to me as a young girl, and when you're in high school, that's when you're really developing your confidence and developing who you are. So to be able to realize that what I was doing was impacting other people, that gave me a ton of confidence and really shaped shaped my future. And that confidence that you were able to grow at this point in your life, I'm sure was evident to those that would see you. And so what do you think one of your biggest opportunities has been in life that your confidence kind of opened the door to? I think being Miss World America would not have been possible if I didn't have the confidence to try I was entering at a point in my life when I wasn't very confident, I will be honest. I had just gone through a really rough breakup. 
I was in the middle of quarantine, just like we all were. Oh, yeah. I was feeling a little bit down about myself, about not working out as much, not being as productive as I should be when I'm home. And all the doubts that we all have gone through during this crazy pandemic. And that's why I entered the competition, because I said, Alyssa, you need to get back to your confident self. You need to do something for yourself that you know that will impact others. Because once again, I feel most confident when I'm helping others and making a difference in other people's lives. So that's why I entered. And through every round of competition, from when I first you know, submitted my materials to being awarded Miss World America New York, to going through the entire two-month-long process of interviews, different rounds, and different preliminary competitions before finally being crowned Miss World America, my confidence built more and more through every single stage. And had I just not had a little bit of confidence to say, I'm going to do this, my confidence wouldn't be where it is right now, which is exponentially higher than when I started the competition. It makes me so happy to hear that, not just as your friend, but also as removing myself, being a third party and hearing that through the hardships of 2020 that we have all faced to see how you have taken some sour lemons that this year has given us and made some super sweet lemonade out of it. Not, super sweet. Yeah, not only winning this incredibly coveted title that gives you an even bigger platform to continue um, promoting the work that you do, but also like being able to do something for yourself because I do think that self-care is important and it's different for everyone. It really is. And I think that one of the problems with self-care is a lot of the time we think it's being selfish. As, at least that's what I used to think. I used to think that if I don't you know, go out to dinner with a friend that night or if I want to cancel my plans or if I want to stay in or if I would rather just watch a movie and eat popcorn and pizza instead of working out that night, that that's not self-care and that's bad for me and that's me being selfish or not accomplishing my goals but sometimes you just need to chill sometimes you just need to take a break and be kind to yourself I think that's such an issue with me in the past is when I lacked a lot of confidence growing up it was because I wasn't kind to myself now I think that I'm finally getting the chance to relax and to say it's okay to take a day off if self-care to me one day means working out for two hours and feeling really awesome about myself that I accomplished this goal, that's awesome. But if self-care the next day means I'm going to eat some pizza and have some chocolate and I'm going to watch Netflix for six hours and do a face mask, <laughs> that's okay too. I wish I knew that when I was younger because I totally did it. Yeah, I, I agree and I can attest to that too. There are just some days where the rest that you know you need is the self-care that you have to give yourself. But I do want to touch on what you mentioned about, you know, working out and fitness and all that because it's, it is also vital and important to us being our best selves and feeling confident in ourselves. So what do you think has been your most confident moment um, in terms of like a physical aspect, whether it was like a physical feat that you achieved in a workout or anything pertaining to that realm? There's never been one moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, I did it. I feel amazing. It's been more of a gradual pattern. And as I see myself becoming stronger and being able to maybe lift 
five more pounds of weights or being able to run another five minutes on the treadmill or even just going into the mirror and saying, wow, I look really good. I try not to compare myself in the present to my former self. It's all about growth and just getting better and feeling better. I actually don't even own a scale anymore. I refuse to weigh myself because I don't want to be confined to a certain number. I don't want to feel like my self-worth is about how much I weigh or how small my waist is or anything like that. I'm just about I want to feel good. And whatever good means to me in that moment, that's enough and that's okay. There are just so many like nuggets of gold that you just said in that. I like so much how you talked about not comparing in your own private realm your current self to your past self because comparison is like the thief of joy. And I think to be, yeah, to be present in this moment and to enjoy it, you can't allow that to creep in. And uh, not owning a scale, amazing, because it's so easy to get bogged down in like weighing yourself every morning or getting really neurotic about, oh, I have to be these, you know, measurements. I have to look this way. And it all hinges on this one number that pops up. It's crazy, and especially in pageantry, you've done pageants, I've done pageants, especially when you have a pageant where you need to wear a bikini on stage. It can be really, not to say traumatizing is a word, but it's really stressful. Mm-hmm. I have really bad anxiety to begin with, and that's something that I'm constantly dealing with every day of how to keep myself sane and at peace and goal-oriented. So when I attribute success to a number on the scale or showing six abs versus four, (laughs) it drives me crazy. And I focus too much on that versus focusing on the things that actually make me happy, like being with my family, like advocating for Alzheimer's, like being out there in my community, like, you know, doing well in my job and my career those things are so much more important than whether I weigh five pounds more or less at the end of the day absolutely I can't agree with that anymore I just think that is such a a strong and important message that needs to be out there more and so I love that you're sharing it I'm so glad we get to put it out you deal with anxiety on a daily basis and you know and I appreciate your transparency and being um, willing to share that And I know I've had my own struggles with um, anxiety since I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was 18. And I always have to find like tangible ways to kind of center myself and bring myself back. And I don't know if you might have any ways that you do, but if so, um, would you mind sharing them with us and the listeners? Because I know that we have tons of listeners that deal with these same um, pressures that the world puts on us and have these anxieties that we all go through. I wish it was more normalized. When I was first diagnosed, I kept it very hush-hush. I was a little bit embarrassed. I thought it was a little bit too personal. And it's interesting. Now that I'm a public figure of sorts as Miss World America, I think it's my duty to be honest. I don't want to put up this front that everything's fine, that everything's always perfect, because it's not, and that's not healthy to portray. The fact of the matter is I do struggle with anxiety. I struggle with confidence like everybody else. My confidence has skyrocketed, yes, but it's not always at 100%. So some of the ways that I deal with anxiety, honestly, it's back to that self-care. Putting on some music. I love 
baths. I love taking a nice warm bubble bath. I have my little candle that I'm obsessed with smell with. And if anyone's wondering, it's from the One Hotels. It's their signature scent. You can get it online. I'm obsessed with it. It is the most zen smell ever. And I turn down the lights in my bathroom and I turn on some music and I just chill. I just hang out. I center myself. I try not to think, which is very difficult for any of us with anxiety to not think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I just try to. I try to zen out. And that helps so much. Just taking some time for myself and not beating myself up that I'm not getting things done and I'm not doing this. Just saying, you know what? This is my time. And that's okay. Right. I, I know that when you were talking about, you know, oh, I, I beat myself up when I'm not doing something or when I'm giving myself the self-care I need, I feel bad that I'm not being productive. And I was like, oh, girl, I empathize with that so hard because I'm always like, oh, I'm, I'm wasting time. I could be doing right. something else. I feel like it's been a journey for me. I think that I'm finally at the place where I feel okay just doing what I need to do for myself in the moment. But it took me, I'm 26 years old now, it took me 26 years to get there from being neurotic about not getting things done and not being productive and not doing this and not doing that to finally just telling myself nothing is wrong with taking time for yourself. Especially in 2020, that's when I really realized I'm not going to apologize if... You know, I want to go out for a glass of wine with my girlfriends or if I want to sleep all day and just take a nap or if I want to, as I said, eat pizza and watch Netflix all day. Sometimes you need those moments. If those moments were every single day, I'd be a little concerned for myself. Right. <laughs> it's about that balance. It's about knowing what you need and knowing how you're feeling in these moments and just being in touch with yourself. We'll also link that candle for anybody in case you want to try that bubble bath technique with the Zen candle because some (laughs) days you just need it. Um, But also being somebody who is so driven and is so passionate, you are outside of pageantry and outside of the work that you do with the Alzheimer's Foundation, a very accomplished woman in the work that you do for your career and the degrees that you have earned. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about um, the line of work that you're in, um, your academic journey and all of that, because I love sharing the accomplishments of the people I get to interview. Thank you. I went to Duke University for my undergrad. So I started off as a neuroscience major because of my love of Alzheimer's. Very quickly realized it wasn't so much the science aspect that really fascinated me as my advocacy about using my communication skills to be able to make a difference. So about two years into my academic journey, I switched my majors to more of a communication business type of degree. And that's what I did for the rest of my years at Duke. I'm so happy I did. From there, I went to get my master's in journalism at Northwestern. And what's really interesting is I went in to be a broadcast journalist, to be one of the anchor women that you see on TV. Once again, I realized three out of my four quarters in that, oh no, I'm not really sure that this is actually the life I want. I loved what I was doing, but I didn't think the lifestyle of being a morning news person 
fit with the lifestyle that I wanted for the rest of my life, which is a very difficult thing to do when you're investing so much time and so much money and you are talented at what you're pursuing, but realizing that I'm not living to work, I'm working to live, which I do think is a very more millennial mindset in terms of our career paths, but I work to live, and that's something that I realized, so I took eight months off, actually, before my final quarter. I did social media for Tesla, loved it, and I came back into my last quarter at Northwestern thinking, okay, let's change it up and focus more on that digital media experience. So after that, I ended up in LA. I was doing social media for a hair care company, and now I'm at one of the world's biggest banks helping run their social media. So it's been social media, social media across, but with a lot of different industries. And it's been a big growing experience, but I think that's something that's so important in a career path is staying open to new opportunities and staying open to pivots. Because had I not pivoted from neuroscience, had I not pivoted from broadcast journalism, I wouldn't be in the career I am in today, and I probably wouldn't have had the time or the mindset to even think about competing for Miss World America. So right now I have two jobs, really, that both mean a lot to me because I was open-minded. The notion of staying open to pivot, I... Uh, oh my gosh like I love that when you said it I like wrote it down here on my notepad and like circled it because I think it's important and just touching on what you mentioned earlier and what I can attest to as well dealing with anxiety sometimes change and decision making can be really daunting and overwhelming yeah very scary yes and so I like that you said you know it's okay to change your mind you know especially when it comes to career and I like you, when I started my uh, path, I was like a bioscience major and I, I totally thought it was going to go one way. And then, you know, life happens and you and you find different things about yourself and you find these right. passions that you want to pursue. And so sometimes it, it can be overwhelming because you think, well, no, I've made a decision. I need to stick to it. So um, I guess this is this little portion right here is a little more directed at our listeners that may be dealing with that same fear of change and that anxiety because it is okay and and look at the paths that it leads to as Alyssa's just said for sure and it's about thinking about it not as a failure I think a lot of people think when they pivot that oh I failed at this school of mine look at me I wanted to be a neuroscientist and I didn't get there that's not it at all Allow yourself to make those changes. Allow yourself to change your mind. We're constantly on a journey through life, right? Right. And we're constantly learning new things about ourselves. And I will say myself as 26-year-old Alyssa is very different than 20-year-old Alyssa, very different than 14-year-old Alyssa. And the little Alyssa, when she was five years old, she wanted to be a Broadway star. Things are constantly changing and constantly evolving. And we can't pigeonhole ourselves into the life that we thought that we should have had you know five years ago or two years ago or two months ago even we're changing and we need to adapt to those changes if we feel that's necessary yeah change change can be scary but I think being able to change your mindset and change the way that you look at it is good because like you said you know pivoting isn't failing and having that fear of failure can be really crumbling like to people's foundations because they they think that oh well it all is lost and um it can be really shattering to confidence too but at the same time I think that um 
having something that for the sake of your interview specifically, we won't call it a failure, but having something that maybe didn't go the way you expected can also be really good. So what in your life have you encountered that maybe didn't go as planned that you were really, really hoping for, but in hindsight, it really helped make you who you are today? Growing up, I was very involved in acting and singing, and it wasn't just a hobby for me. It was really a second job for me growing up. I would go to school. I would be pulled out early for jobs, for auditions. There were several times when I would take off an entire quarter, entire semester, even an entire year because of the professional acting jobs that I had. My mom and I moved to Los Angeles because I got a three-year contract. And so my whole entire life was building up to you know, being on Broadway or having my own TV show. And it was so close to being there so many different times. I was in the final rounds for being Annie on the Annie National Tour. I was in the final rounds for being the lead in the Bye Bye Birdie Broadway revival. I was in the final rounds for being, you know, in Shake It Up on Disney Channel, the one that Bella Thorne and Zendaya ended up getting. And it was getting so close and so close. And in the back of my mind, I always told myself, if I don't get on Broadway or get a TV show by the time I'm 18, I'm done with that part of my life. And what's interesting is that by the time I did get to that age, I was done. And it wasn't because I gave myself this ultimatum. It's because at that point, I was ready for the next chapter. So it was interesting. It was really hard for myself because at first I did see it as a failure because I got so close. I thought maybe if I just stuck with it one more year, I will say within by the time I was around 2021, all of my friends who I was doing acting with and who I was always up for final rounds with, they all did finally get on Broadway or get their TV shows. And until I was around 21, I kept wondering, had I just stuck with it or I failed, I didn't get there. But then after I graduated, I realized I am so content in the career that I'm at now. Yes, it would have been amazing to say I was on Broadway when I was 12 years old or I was a lead in a Disney Channel show, but also my life wouldn't be where it is now. And I, because I was open to something new and I was open to not giving up, but once again, pivoting. Had I stayed with this goal that was a goal of mine when I was five years old, it wasn't the same goal I had when I was 20 anymore. And that's all right. It changed. And I'm still so proud of everything I accomplished from a young age. To me, looking back, I really don't care that I wasn't on Broadway. I really don't care that I didn't have a TV show. It's not important to me anymore at all. And it was everything to me when I was younger. I think it's really, I don't want to say soothing. I think it's really calming to be able to reconcile that like for yourself because it's so easy and we see it all the time it's so easy to get hung up on these things in our past that um we just really let deter our future or we let them also kind of fester and chip away at our confidence because it's like a you took the initiative to change your mindset like you know no, it wasn't a failure. It wasn't meant to be. And I am happy with where my life is. And it wouldn't be here if it had gone a different way. But I think that sometimes it can stay there. You could have let that totally. Yeah, It wasn't overnight at all. It took a lot of time for me to get to that place. Because when I got to Duke, my first semester was very difficult. 
I'm an only child. I'm very close to my parents. I'm used to being home. And it was a very big shift to be across the country by myself and not, you know, be the star anymore that I once was back home. And all of a sudden I realized I was so close to being on Broadway. I was so close to getting this TV show. I was, you know, first runner up to Miss California's Outstanding Teen for three years, almost thinking to myself, I was always so close, but why was I never enough? And I hung on to that idea for so long. And it ate away and ate away at my confidence because I kept saying to myself, I worked just as hard. I was probably just as good, but I still wasn't good enough for that moment for so many different aspects of my life and it killed me but now looking back I'm just happy I got over it because at one point you have to you just have to move on it is easier said than done but once you do you finally have the confidence again to be able to try something new and to not worry about the past and not get hung up on the past and just be happy that you accomplished what you did and that was enough for you in that moment. And that's enough now. As Alyssa mentioned, it is not something that happens overnight. And I hope that you can find some comfort and relief in that if maybe you are struggling with that because it is a journey. And just like when we talk about confidence with you know anybody that you'll hear on this show, being able to have confidence one day is great. But you know the next day it might not be the same. So the way you're talking about how, you know, you you were not alone, but you had a lot of time with yourself. How important do you think it is to really be able to direct your self-talk in a positive way? It's essential. It takes a lot of practice, though, like anything. I think that I'm pretty good at it now. I think that's been the last maybe two years. 2018, for example, I did not talk myself at a dark hole to save my life. I really couldn't, and it was really my friends who got me through the hard times. My anxiety was really bad. I was going through a lot of what I thought were failures at the time and deep failures, and I was confused and trying to figure things out. I had a lot of loss in my family that year. I was offered a job, moved to L.A., was the job was rescinded because of budget cuts. I mean, it was like everything that you can think that could go wrong one year did. And that point, it was really difficult. And one thing that I'm so grateful for now is that now that I can talk myself out of dark times through positive thinking and being kind to myself and allowing myself to take my bubble bath and allowing myself to just take a break, my just mindset now is so much healthier than it was back in 2018. And I think that's why, you know, even the hardships of 2020, my really rough breakup, everything else that happened, lots of lots of loss in my family this year, it could have really been absolutely detrimental to my well-being. And it wasn't because of the mindset that I forced myself to have. A healthy mindset is like so vital and I think it's something that deserves more emphasis in this day and age because it's really easy for us to let it go by the wayside or just not put enough emphasis on it but in addition to a healthy mindset I know some people when they do talk themselves out of those dark places have like a go-to do you have any like go-to mantras or like a happy place or anything that you kind of go to when you're feeling down like that oh my gosh 
It's just so corny. I think my happy place is calling my dad. I love my that. Dad always hashtag Jim. You love Jim. Hashtag Jim. Famous with all of my friends because he is just the most amazing. He's just such a positive ray of light. He's one of those people that you go into a room full of hundreds of people and he is the one that everyone gravitates to because his energy is so positive and he makes everyone feel so special and so at home and he's the type of person that I always strive to be. So whenever I'm feeling down, I do call my mom, of course. My mom's a lot more tough love, so she keeps it she keeps it real, which I also need. Then my dad's the one that I can cry to. Honestly, if I'm having a bad day and I just want to vent to him, he listens. But he not only listens, he offers so many different perspectives, including those that I don't necessarily want to hear. Mm-hmm. But it keeps it real. You know, it keeps it back to me taking it so much less out of my emotions and back into my head where I can think about things more logically. And for me, thinking logically really helps when I get a little bit emotional or a little bit down. It's really easy to sit in that emotional state when you get down. But I do love that the thing that you do is you reach out. Because like we said in the beginning, it is so hard sometimes to reach out because you don't want to bother someone or you don't want to overwhelm them with your issues and I love that you take that initiative to call your dad you know call your mom but have those moments where you're like um Jim I need you (laughs) because it is not good over here exactly and I also I also reach out to my friends a lot I have the best support system I mean you are one of them I think that my girlfriends are some of the most incredible ride-or-die people I could ever have in my life. And when I'm feeling down, a lot of the times I reach out to them, and I will be honest, sometimes I'm a little selfish in a way, and I'll post a photo of myself on Instagram where I'm like, wow, I look really hot and really great in that photo. And then seeing all my friends comment and give me their support and tell me that I'm amazing and tell me that I look great. That really helps, too. I'm going to be honest. Having sisters who are cheerleaders and wing women and hype women, that really does help. And so that's something that I always try to do. Whenever my friends post on Instagram or whenever my friends reach out, I always try to be that number one hype woman because I know how much that hype helps my own self-confidence. I think that a lot of times, you know, girls get made fun of for always commenting, oh, you look so hot, you look so beautiful, you're amazing, you're incredible, but we shouldn't feel bad about that or feel embarrassed to be hyping up our friends because when I'm in a dark place or when I'm not feeling my best and I just want a little bit of attention, it makes all the difference to feel like people think that you're awesome and it kind of sounds selfish and it kind of sounds silly when you're saying that loud but all of us like to feel loved and like to feel pretty and important and smart and powerful and like we have friends who support us so I always want to be the hype woman for my girlfriends oh man everything you just said I love like and I and let me tell y'all Alyssa is a great hype woman I like (laughs) there are and, and you're saying it And I'm hearing it and I'm thinking like, yeah, I know for a fact, like when I have like 
a beach pic or a selfie that I'm, I'm going to post because I want to, like, whether I'm showing off, like, a trip I took or yeah. I just think I look good. Like, I know for a fact, I'm like, okay, I know, like, her, 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 I know she, like, they're all going to comment. And I'm like, and I'm just like, <laughs> it, it's almost like Christmas. Like, I'm so excited to see what my friends it, put. Oh, my gosh, it's exactly. It's like Christmas. It's so exciting. Yeah. And you get this rush of adrenaline where you just feel so just proud and confident that's the word you feel so confident you do. and it sounds so silly when you say it out loud it sounds so you know superficial whatever you want to call it but at the end of the day who cares if it makes you feel more confident who cares what everyone else says who cares about if you feel you know like a little silly if it makes you feel more confident do it at the end of the day you need to be your own hype woman you need to be a hype woman to other girls and you need to empower people just to feel their best if we all empowered each other instead of, you know, ignoring or bringing each other down, how much cooler would this place be to live? Yeah, man, like it, it really is such a confidence boost, you know, and it, <laughs> it feels good. And like you said, everybody wants to feel loved. Everybody wants to feel pretty and powerful and empowered and supported by the people that they have chosen to allow into their lives. Because at the end of the day, that is how we make friends. That is how we take the time to choose who gets to be in that extended family of ours. And so surrounding yourself with those people, I think is so vital. And so I would like to ask you, you know, do you find that you are more picky when it comes to who you allow to be in that inner circle? Or do you feel like you are more of a really arms wide open kind of person? Oh, JR, you hit this one on the head. So I love to be a more arms wide open person. I love to make friends with everybody. I think that over the years, I've really embraced my dad's persona where when I walk into a room full of people, now I feel like I'm at the point where I can make best friends with anyone, which is the best feeling in the world to be able to feel like I can be friends with anyone. I can support anyone. I can be a motivator to anyone. That's such an exciting feeling. However, I will say recently that, you know, I have realized that some people that I have led into my circle are people that didn't have my best interest at heart. And that was really difficult to deal with, especially confidence-wise, thinking that these are people that I wanted to let into my life because I wanted to show them love and I thought that they were similar and wanted to be honest with me and friends to me but it's hurtful when you realize that not everybody is like you in that way so now I'm 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 pivoting back and forth about what I do want to do now if I do want to keep my circle closer because I do have right now the most incredible group of friends people like you you know people like the ones who call me on my Instagram or the ones that will call me at three in the morning when they're having a bad day. The circle of friends I have right now are so special. So I am kind of debating how many more people I want to end up in that really close circle because in the last you know month or so, I will say since winning my pageant, some true colors have come out, which is unfortunate and it's disappointing. It is such a fine line, I feel like. It is. It's when, hard. Yeah. When, you know, you're somebody that I will attest for you that you are a very like 
magnetic personality. Like people are just drawn to you and you know, and it is because of that same um, hashtag gym aura that you give off. (laughs) No, but it's true. Like you, you're very, you have a a warm like glow, you know, when anybody meets you. And so it's very easy to be like, yeah, I want to be friends with her. And then, you know, when somebody like I've been able to experience really like gets to know you on a personal level, it's like, wow, no, Alyssa is amazing and she's just more than that warm glow and that fun friend you know you see the work that you do and you see all this stuff so sometimes having to like delineate between okay these are the people that I am arms distance friends with like I'm an arms wide open arms distance friend with but these are the ones that like I let and hold close and I want to be better about that and it's not so much about pushing people away it's just about allotting more of my time to those friends who are you know the real ones the close ones the ones that do have my best interest at heart and understand all the different facets of Alyssa and not to say that the other friends that I have around me aren't valid and aren't amazing because they are I just want to make sure that the people that I keep close, especially now being a little bit more in the public eye, especially now that I'm trying to focus on so many different goals and only have so much time to a lot for my personal life, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, giving the attention to those who've really been there for me. That's really important to me. I don't want to lose those friendships over new friendships that might not be, you know, as deep. And that's great advice, I think, just for any phase in life and reminding the listeners how important it is to make sure that you are surrounding yourself with people that are pouring into you and not just trying to draw from your well, you know? Right. Because it happens. It happens. We've seen we've seen time and time again. And, you know, as um, Alyssa's mentioned, we met in the whole pageant world. <laughs> And as cliche as it sounds, um, yeah, you do have those people that are stereotypical and really, unfortunately, intentionally detrimental. But then you meet some of the most amazing people and you have some of the most, yeah, once in a lifetime experiences. And so I would love to touch on um, on that, especially because it is that most recent high elevation peak that you've reached so let's talk about um miss world america a little bit more let's talk about i want to talk about two things so let's start with um talking about the experience because i know it was virtual because of the whole pandemic so what was that like and how different must that have been oh my gosh it was so different so for the state competitions There were a few that happened in person, but the majority of them were either canceled or happened online. So for Miss World America New York, which was one that I was entering in, now living in New York City, that ended up being completely online. So I submitted a few different material, and I had a Zoom interview with the judges instead of a weekend of pageantry. And that's how I ended up being chosen as Miss World America New York. Then from there, once the different state representatives were chosen, then we had a about let's say a month and a half two months of rehearsals of more submissions that we had to do there were 14 submissions I believe in total a lot of them were videos so luckily with my journalism background it wasn't too bad because I know how to edit and know how to film and know how things should look but it was still craziness it was a lot more involved than just 
a week of going to a pageant would be. And then once we got to the preliminary rounds, that's how they chose the top 15. Um, we had virtual interviews with the judges. All of our preliminary rounds ended up being virtual and live over Zoom versus oh, on oh a stage gosh. in front of people. So when they're asking you a clear, you know, your on stage question or what would have been you were being asked it during zoom and it was so funny because i kept looking at all the other little boxes of faces oh, yeah, yeah. at their reactions while i was talking and i kept getting a little sidetracked because it was so weird seeing everyone's face on zoom versus when you're on stage with the lights you can't really see the audience mm-hmm. it just kind of looks like a big black dark hole so seeing everyone's reactions it was a little bit disorienting so we had those rounds with several different interview rounds and then finally it was the top five and I remember I told my mom I said I think there's a really good chance I won just thinking numerically and how things were stacking up I said it's going to be close and I'm not going to be disappointed if I don't win because I did my best and I really love the other contestants and think all of them would be great and not just saying that as you know the canned pageantry answer really deep down I would have been excited for anyone and I was just happy with how I did so when the first runner-up was announced I just had this weird epiphany feeling from God I don't know what it was that it was me um so it was crazy I I wish I was with my family I wasn't um but my mom and my dad FaceTimed me right after and they were cheering and crying and freaking Aww. out it was very different But at the same time, I'm just grateful that the Miss World America organization gave me the opportunity to compete during a pandemic because it really did give me a sense of purpose the last few months. I was devoting myself to community service again and to bettering myself and to describing what I'm proud of myself about to a panel full of judges and being able to articulate that. It gave me that confidence back. So I'm really, really happy that I had this opportunity, not just because I won, but because of the growth that I felt throughout the last few months of this process. And I feel like purpose is a big thing that a lot of people are really faced with at the moment because life has just changed so much this year. And I know that, yeah, feeling like you have a purpose is so vital to just your day-to-day life and knowing what it is and being able to act on it. But also in um, particular with the Miss World America organization, there is this idea of beauty with a purpose. And so, yes, I would love to talk more about that. And um, let me know like what that means to you and just how you're able to enact that now as Miss World America. Beauty with a purpose is the heart of the Miss World organization. It was 50% of my score for the preliminary competition, which shows you how much that it really does mean in picking a title holder. That's what really what drew me to this program is that community service and philanthropy and using your voice to make a difference, that's the main goal, goal excuse me, of the organization. It's not about a pretty face. It's about the inner beauty. It's about using your skills and your confidence to help attract confidence in others. So that Alzheimer's advocacy, of course, is my beauty with a purpose platform, but I think it really extends so much more beyond that. My personal motto, I call it, is educate, empower, activate. I think that's almost just as much of my beauty with a purpose platform this year as my Alzheimer's advocacy, because I want to tell people that 
it's so important to find your passions and be empowered to use those to make a difference. Whether your passion is Alzheimer's advocacy, whether your passion is mentorship, whether your passion is something completely different altogether, we all have something that we went through. We all have hardships that we have either experienced personally or that we see in the world and we want to see a change. So why not use those passions to help other people? And that's, I think, really at the heart of you with a purpose. And that's my greater mission throughout this year is to empower others to make a difference. I have no doubt that you are absolutely going to achieve that. Thank uh, you. Absolutely, yeah. Just seeing not only the long list that already precedes you of accomplishments, but just knowing your heart, your passion, and your dedication to everything that you do. You give 110% if that was ever a definition to look up the picture of Alyssa's right there. Oh my goodness. That means so much to me. I think that over the years I've realized that it's not just about your resume of accomplishments that defines you. It is about your heart. It's corny and it's been said time and time again, but people might forget what you do, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Yes, that's one of my favorite quotes ever, 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 ever. Right? I think I butchered it a little bit, but the essence is still there. But I've really realized over the years, and I wish I'd realized that earlier because growing up, it was all about, let's get this on my resume, let's do this, I want to make a difference, I want to do this, I, I just kept going, go, 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 and now so much more of me as Alyssa is taking a step back and just loving on people because the world needs a lot more love right now and a lot more empowerment, and the world needs people just telling others that they are enough and that they can do anything. It's not just about the confidence of yourself, it's about the confidence you instill in others. And I think that's why I ended up winning Miss World America and winning a national title when I did. It's all because I finally realized what's truly important to me and what matters in life is about the relationships that you have and the way that you make a difference in other people's lives. That's really what matters, not my resume, it's about, it's about the love. Yeah, and that difference, that difference can mean everything to some people sometimes. And it, it's so beautiful that, you know, you're saying that your title came to you at the right time. You know, this national title, this such an incredible accomplishment. And so with that being said, um, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice to help them exercise confidence every day, what would your piece of advice be? It's twofold. First, love yourself and then show others you love them. When you love yourself, that's how you instill the confidence in yourself. When you're looking at yourself in the mirror each day, don't tear yourself down. Tell yourself, I love my hair today. I love how my outfit looks. I love that I'm smiling today. Okay, so then take that confidence and then salute in others. Give a compliment. It can be a random person on the street. Say, I love what you're wearing today or you are so pretty or wow, you look so confident. Or tell your boss, you know what, I really admire you as a mentor and just thank you for giving me these opportunities. When you help instill confidence in other people, it's so much easier to be confident in yourself. I was walking down the road in New York the other day. I had a really cute little outfit on. I was feeling good 
myself, but it was more to, you know, feel good about myself for me, not for others. And this woman came up to me and she said, you look absolutely adorable. You are just radiating positivity. I just want to let you know that keep doing you. You're doing amazing. And I felt so awesome. I felt like a million bucks from this random lady off the street telling me this. And so just remember, it's like when you instill confidence in others, it makes you feel good. It's good karma back on you. But it all starts within yourself. You have to love yourself first. Yeah, self-love. Self-love is a big deal in the road to helping you become more confident. And it is the easiest and hardest thing. Because yeah. it, I mean, you might as well love yourself. You got to spend twenty four seven with yourself anyway. We love that. You got to practice it. It's like anything. Practice makes perfect. And so for me, when I'm looking at myself and I kind of see like, ooh, I you know gained a little bit of weight from Thanksgiving. I refuse myself to talk to myself like that. I refuse to say, oh, look at this. This is bad. Nitpick myself. Instead, I change the perspective. Oh, my hair looks really pretty today. Or wow, I'm really awake today, I think I'm going to work out today, or wow, I did so well yesterday at my presentation for my job. You have to change the narrative. You have to. And it takes time, it takes effort, but the more you practice, the better you get at it. Like Alyssa just mentioned, man, like it doesn't have to just be something, a physical appearance thing. Like she said, you know, I, I feel like I have a lot of energy today. I'm going to get a great workout in or yeah, my presentation for work went awesome yesterday. It's so easy for us to just dismiss those things that we do well as, oh, we just take it for granted. Like I, I had to do it. I, I needed to check that off the list for the day. And it's like, no, take the moment, recognize that you did it. Like when we were kids, right? Like we used to get so excited about every accomplishment as a kid. And we oh kind of lose that in adulthood. trophies, the stickers that we would get for like going to the bathroom or like <laughs> the sticker your mama put in like the sticker board. Like, oh, yay, you put your shoes away today. The little accomplishments. Right. You think about that in your head now as an adult as your virtual sticker board. Yeah. I don't have a sticker board. I sure as did with my little star stickers. And every time I did the most minuscule thing, I would put my star sticker on the board and I felt like a million bucks. You have to do that mentally in your head for everything you do. Because it makes you feel so much more confident and so much more proud of yourself. And it's about, once again, self-love. If you feel proud, you feel accomplished, you love yourself a lot more. It's funny that you mentioned the sticker board because I was at the store the other day and I saw these stickers. And they are just the funniest thing to me. And they have to kind of do with like either like adulting or I think honestly they were made after the pandemic because it's like wait I want them uh, oh, can you gosh. link them or something if so I can find them and I found them like so randomly but like let me grab them really quick because they're on the wall and they you bought them yes I bought them yes okay I'm so I was about to say if you didn't buy them I'm gonna be very disappointed oh my gosh I'll show you like the little sheet here and then I'll read them like <laughs> They say, oh um, they say, I made it on time. I did not binge watch too much. I took my <laughs> vitamins. I cooked dinner. I almost went to the gym. Takeout queen. Like I didn't quit. Like, <laughs> wait, I need to find these. I love these. They're Honestly, so funny. Stickers and sticker boards, whether it's physical or mental, 
it means a lot. You've got to give yourself a pat on the back, pat on the back, even for the little things once in a while. Because hey, every little thing adds up to a big thing, and even a little accomplishment is something to say. Hey, I did a good job with this today. So I love that. I want one of those. <laughs> I'll see if I can find them. Yeah, if I can find them, I'll definitely. I'll link them to the episode too. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. But um, man, everything you said today, Alyssa, was just so valuable and i know that the listeners are going to get so much out of this episode i feel like i could interview you like all day man oh like... my gosh i felt like this was therapy for me <laughs> you asked me all the great questions and i was just you know spilling my heart out there and thinking about things i hadn't thought of for a while it's therapeutic for me too so i hope good. that people get something out of it that's positive good yeah that's so funny i had one other interview we said the same thing she's like i feel like i'm in therapy right now this is so great <laughs> she's like i feel like i'm just deep diving and just like i feel very open i was like well good for you girl whatever whatever it takes but um no sincerely thank you so much i know that you are just a woman on the go and you've got so many things going on and so we're so grateful that you took the time to be here with us today on exercise confidence so thank you so much Alyssa. that was so wonderful having you thank you for having me jr you're amazing all right girl i will talk to you soon listeners i hope that episode was as much of a breath of fresh air for you as it was for me once i was done interviewing Alyssa. i almost felt like a weight was lifted as i was talking with her kind of hearing the way that she's been able to overcome her own obstacles and struggles in life and the view that she has cultivated for herself as we mentioned looking at things that we would normally call a failure instead as a pivot it really can be a launching pad into your own personal confidence and also i do want to encourage you to incorporate what she mentioned take a moment whether it's right now later in your day or even tomorrow morning to just look at yourself in the mirror and compliment yourself it's gonna go a long way and then maybe take a moment to compliment somebody else that you see in your day confidence starts somewhere so why not start it with a compliment tune in next time as we continue to share stories of confidence and as we work here to help you be able to exercise confidence in yourself for today signing off I am JR Nasari, and I hope that you find a way to exercise confidence every day.